Well, church, in the famous words of Gomer Powell, surprise, surprise, surprise. <laughs> Good morning. I am extremely humbled and blessed and so thankful for this opportunity to come this morning and share my message. Very touched by the uh, welcome that Pastor Bo has given to me. And uh, wow, uh, very touched by all that, very moved. If you would have told me nearly 10 years ago when my family and I visited for the very first time that one day I might be standing up here, there's a good chance I probably would have turned around and went and found another church. <laughs> I'm not that man anymore. I'm not the same person. And, and this church is so dear to us. You all mean so much. You've been such a blessing and encouragement. There's been so many memories that uh, we've made here. My wife and I, we were married here. Uh, we've had baptisms here, dedications here. So many uh, things that we've taken part of as far as uh, church camps and just the list goes on and on. And ultimately, here I am today. And I just thank God and praise God for all that he's done in my life and my family's life. And I'm honored here to have my uh, father and my sister and husband. And Austin's back for the first time in about a month. So uh, just very touched and very moved. And I just do want to thank everyone for their support this, this week. As, uh, many of you have just come forward over and over again with words of encouragement. Kind of giving me a hard time in a little bit of ways, but that's okay. The guys there in the back when they were getting me ready for the microphone told me I'd be on TV. And I said, now just remember, the microphone adds 10 pounds. So <laughs> I know I can't run a microphone, but... Uh, and, and really and truly, I, I have been given tons of encouragement to be able to stand up here and, and go ahead and present my message and share the gospel message with you this morning. Maybe a little bit too much uh, encouragement. At our breakfast this morning, Brother Eddie, he stepped up to me and he slipped the dollar bill in my hand and wasn't quite sure what was going on. I said, well, what's this for? He said, if you can get us out here by 12, there's more where that came from. So, <laughs> <laughs> the last thing to just hopefully put my nerves to rest, uh, Brother Bo, he did say it best. He said, just don't worry, after the first 60 seconds, you're going to be locked in. My next question is, is that your 60 seconds or my 60 seconds? Because they're not quite the same thing. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Every Sunday morning at the beginning of this service, Pastor Bo stands up here and he greets this congregation and he tells you all how very much he loves you. And those are very, very sincere, genuine, heartfelt words. He says that, the joy of his heart to be here. And we very much so believe that. And while I'm thankful for a pastor who loves his congregation, I'm so thankful for our God who loves us immeasurably more. He's done so much for us individually in the lives of our families and the lives of the people, everyone here in this congregation. And it just helps me to understand that our worldly love for one another just doesn't compare to the love of God the Father and what he has for us all and what he has displayed uh, through time for us all. So we cannot fully come to know that love until we know Christ, who he is and what he has done for us. Excuse me. So that's just pretty much my message this morning is to work off of that. It's a very simple and profound message here. And that uh, that is Jesus is our greatest need. That is what I've titled the sermon this morning. Jesus, our greatest need. In just a few moments, we're going to look into uh, the gospel of John in chapter four. I'll give you some time to get there as we just kind of keep moving things along. 
But in the reality here of just saying so much about Jesus, because it's what it's really all about, the gospel message, helping us to understand who he is, what he's done for us, and just ultimately that, that helps us just really know where we stand in terms of our relationship with him as, as God the Father, Jesus fully God and fully man. I know I need him. Uh, the song that has constantly popped in my head this week is uh, I Need You. I'm not quite sure the artist and I'm very sure you're, you're familiar with that as a contemporary Christian song, but it just makes me think I need him. I need Jesus every hour of every day. I need him. So, uh, something that I want you all to know here, as we kind of keep moving things along here, for, for what we really need to know is that God understands and provides for our physical needs. More importantly, He has provided for us our spiritual needs by sending us Jesus Christ. So, if you have your Bibles, uh, if you would go ahead and please stand with me. We'll go ahead and open up to the Gospel of John. We'll be in chapter 4. I'll give you just a moment or two to get there. We're going to read the first 14 verses, so if you have your Bibles open, uh, that'll be page 1056 if you have a pew Bible out, and I'll go ahead and read, beginning Gospel of John, chapter 4, verse 1. <clears throat> now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For the disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gives us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, just humbly stand before you in reverence. Praising you, lifting you up, thanking you, just here seeking you, Lord. Seeking you to have a better relationship with you, to walk closer with you, to honor you, to give you all the glory and praise that is due your holy name. We just thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us, for the time that we've had together to be here, for the wonderful music message that we've heard, for our fellowship this morning, for all the just love and blessings that we have to look forward to just because of you. Lord, again, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Now, effectively, we'll cover really the first half of it. And once Bo asked me about this opportunity, I really thought about throwing out this line about maybe a two-part series, you know, kind of keeping in line with what he does. <laughs> I, I thought I better not push my luck, though, and just kind of stick to what I know best. I'm glad y'all could appreciate that. 
So I'm going to make three points this morning, and each one I just want to kind of really focus in and emphasize on the love of Jesus. So beginning with the first point here, the love of, of Jesus intentionally reaches out to those who do not know him. The love of Jesus reaches out, intentionally reaches out to those who do not know him. So I'm going to put some context to what we are looking at here in the first part of chapter 4. And what is going on is the Pharisees have heard about Jesus. There's no surprise there. He's doing miraculous signs and wonders. He's preaching the gospel. John the Baptist is baptizing people. The disciples are baptizing people. Remember, as the text said, it wasn't Jesus himself, but it was disciples. So there's a message that has been sent around in the country of Judea where people realize that they are needing to repent of their sins. They're seeing their sins for what they are. They're seeing that they need to repent of these sins to get themselves right to be able to accept the coming of Messiah. So a lot of the events that would eventually take place with Jesus being betrayed and the trial and the crucifixion may have happened earlier had it not been for Jesus actually leaving Judea to go to Galilee. As we see from verse 3, he left Judea and departed again from Galilee. What he did from that point was kind of take a detour. He took the road less traveled. He stopped in Samaria for a very specific reason. Hence, intentionally reaches out to those who do not know him because there was a woman there whose soul need ministering to a woman who, without this encounter, would not have come to know the saving faith of Jesus Christ. So if, if Jesus is willing to do that for one person, just think about it, folks. He's died on the cross for us for forgiveness and sins and the gift of eternal life. He's done so much for us. He's done so much for us. So there's, there's Jesus leaving Judea to go north into Galilee. He's going to stop in Samaria. I've, uh, I've looked into this, and this distance that he would be traveling would be somewhat the equivalent to, give or take, just approximate here, if we were to leave here today and travel to Savannah. That's how, how it would have been if he were to leave Judea and go to Galilee, depending on where he left from and where he was going to in each of those respective regions. But he stopped in Samaria to, uh, to minister to the soul of a woman who did not know Christ. And if you think about Luke chapter 19, verse 10, this point that I'm about to make just validates so much. It says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So it was important for Jesus to go into that area and actually minister there because if we were to really go into a spoiler alert and go all the way to the end of this, as so many people often do with movies and books, we'll see that so many lives were touched and reached because of the encounter that Jesus had with this woman and what it meant for the other Samaritans in that area. A couple of other points that I just really want to make here is when I said earlier that this was the road less traveled, this is because Jews would avoid Samaria altogether. They would not travel through it because there was such conflict between the two ethnic groups. Um, that stems back from what happened during the exile and how Jews perceived the Samaritans to be, they looked upon them as uh, people that were multi-ethnic or multi-racial, 
people that did not hold the same beliefs as they did. Therefore, they wanted to avoid them altogether. You, you wouldn't be wrong in saying that the Jews actually despised the Samaritans. So for Jesus to actually intentionally go there just says so much about him advancing his ministry and the gospel as it just speaks out to us. That he would take on the challenges that in verse 4, excuse me, uh, yeah, there's verse 4. Your text may say he had to pass through or he needed to or he must, depending on the translations. It wasn't because he was limited in any way. He didn't have to take the most direct route to get where he was going. Not for the fact that geographically it was easier or he would be less tired if he went that direction. He took that route to save one lost soul. That's the important part of what I want us to focus on there in that Jesus intentionally reaches out to those who do not know him. Now, if we're moving along, we see that he makes it to his destination. It's the middle of the day, very hot. He's tired. Bible even tells us. It's hard for us to compute that sometimes because even though we're willing to see and accept Jesus as fully God and fully man, we don't think about the, the fact that he faced all the same things that we face to this very day. And here he is tired, he's hungry, he's thirsty, and I'm here to tell you that's not a good combination. It doesn't work well for me. So um, he's, uh, he, he's asking this woman, who he's just met for the first time at a well, for a drink of water. And her response is so particularly alarming to begin with, where she says, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a, a, for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? So that leads me to my second point that I want to make, and that is that the love of Jesus impartially recognizes those who do not know him. The love of Jesus impartially recognizes those who do not know him. She, just, she did not know Jesus. She did not know that he, would be, he is the Messiah. She did not know all the things that uh, had been talked about in the other regions and the other areas. He was just a complete uh, stranger. And this setting tells us a lot about how things were at that particular point for this woman. She is at the well to get water in the middle of the day which typically was done by the women in groups for safety reasons and for other social outlets early in the day when it would be easier and when they would have all that they would need for everything that we require water of for the whole day. So here's a woman by herself at this well in the heat of the day, and she may be there to get water or she may be there just looking for somebody to come by and have a conversation with or to notice her. Uh, we're not entirely sure, but one thing we do know here is that she's not with the other women of the Samaritans, of a particular group that would go and draw water there together. So she says, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, uh, a woman of Samaria? And here we see that Jesus puts her first, and in the same way, he puts us first. That in spite of his own needs, he chose an opportunity to minister to her, to the spiritual needs of a woman who would have otherwise not uh, allowed to interact with. Because as a teacher, as Jesus was, it wouldn't be socially acceptable for him to just approach a woman apart from anyone else in public of all places to engage in any kind of conversation. It just would not have been considered 
culturally acceptable for that to take place. But he sees that this woman's spiritual needs come first uh, because he hasn't gotten that drink of water yet, if, uh, if you still follow along with me. And he answers her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So this is Jesus trying to appeal to her curiosity now because she would not know who he is, would not recognize who he is uh, until he is now taking the opportunity to reveal himself in a way, the same way that the Holy Spirit draws us to Jesus. So that's what's going on here. And in verse 11, the uh, Samaritan woman is actually saying to, to him, you have nothing to draw water with. What, what am I supposed to do here? And to which uh, Jesus replied, I'm sorry, I got a little ahead of myself there. You have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. And she says, are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. Well, Jesus would have had his own way in which to draw water from a well or any other water source with some sort of canteen or pouch or whatever it is that be the case. So she says, you don't have anything to get water with. And it was certainly socially unacceptable for Jews and Samaritans to share any sort of drinking vessel. Same would hold true for utensils. Uh, when I say that there was just a, a constant conflict and dis despising of one another, that just very well may be an understatement based on the fact that there's uh, so much here that tells us in the text that they would just avoid each other altogether. Um, the disciples had went off to buy food. Jesus was by himself. He didn't have anything to use to drink with. And then she goes on in verse 12 and says, Are you greater than our father Jacob? So she is now identifying with Jacob as someone who would be like a god to her or to her people, to her and her people. So are you greater than Jacob? He is the one who gave us this well and drank for it himself, and as did his son and his livestock. So just the last little point here I want to make on this uh, second part here that Jesus impartially recognizes. We could look and find in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, and we know that God desires all people to be saved and to come to know the knowledge of the truth. And Jesus, he meets us where we are. He came to the woman. Uh, no strings attached. He didn't have a certain set of requirements or conditions that had to take place for, 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 you know, before they would even... Uh, meet one another. So we need not try to win Jesus' approval or favor by our own actions. We just must recognize that we have a fallen sinner state, humbly ask Him into our hearts for forgiveness of our, forgiveness of our sins, uh, and allowing the opportunity for us to be saved and leading to everlasting life. I want to move on to point three, and that is the love of Jesus invitingly redeems those who will accept Him. The love of Jesus invitingly redeems those who will accept him. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus uh, says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He is there. He wants us to have a knowledge of him, a saving faith due to, uh, by knowing him and have a relationship with him. In the last two verses of this, chap uh, this chapter here in verses 13 through 14, he says, and this is Jesus saying to the Samaritan woman, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in, a, in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. 
So our physical needs are always going to remain constant. We're always going to have something that someone else is going to have to provide for or that we ourselves are going to have to seek out. But that is just our physical needs. And those can never be satisfied. But our spiritual needs can be satisfied through saving faith in Jesus. We can be with him now and forever. And the Holy Spirit enables us to come to know him and to live our lives for his glory. We see then in this last couple verses here that he is inviting her by saying everyone who drinks of this water will never be thirsty again. Or drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water I give him will never be thirsty again. There's no condition set forth in which Jew, Greek, Samaritan, we're all the same in God's eyes. We don't, regardless of our past, the only thing that truly matters is our presence. Present. Where we are in terms of willing to come to God humbly, recognize our sins, seek Jesus for forgiveness of sins, and for that salvation that can only come through Him. So as I bring this to a close here this morning, I just want us to all remember that God desires for us to have a relationship with Him. He never forces us to accept Jesus, but that is His will for our lives. And I'm so thankful for that, that we have a God who's given us a way to be saved from our sins. He's given us a Savior throughout the Bible, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, from cover to cover, it all points to Jesus Christ. For those who haven't yet encountered Him or who wouldn't know Him, God has made a way for the gospel message to be sent and proclaimed throughout all areas and all regions. And Jesus Himself is the one who took, it, who took that responsibility personally to seek out the Samaritan woman who otherwise would have never come to a knowledge of saving faith in Him by placing her trust in Him. And as I mentioned earlier about the spoiler alert, if you were to go on and finish reading chapter 4, you see that she acknowledges him for who he is. You see that she actually takes that word, that good news, back to her people, and she spreads that around. She undeniably has an unshakable faith that she knows he is Messiah and what he is capable of doing. And for that, I just want to thank you. I appreciate this opportunity to come and share this message with you this morning. It's been such a wonderful time to be here together and a great day. If you will, let's bow our heads together and pray. Almighty God, we're just so thankful for this chance to have joined together as brothers and sisters in Christ, to have had the opportunity to open up your holy word to have had an opportunity to look deep into the text and see things that are applicable to our very own lives to this very day. We're thankful, Lord, that you've sent a way to, for us to be able to be forgiven of our sins and for us to have salvation. And, Lord, we understand that our physical needs are going to remain forever until our very last day. Lord, we can live for so long without oxygen. We could live for so long without food. We could live for so long without water. But Lord, we cannot live everlasting life without you. We just thank you, we praise you, we lift you up. In Jesus' name, amen.